morning good morning welcome to another uh, beautiful morning of voices of the festival i hope you're doing great we are in savannah yes uh let me show you a bit of savannah here we are the beautiful view of this beautiful city look at the bridge and the churches i'm on liberty street and actually i'm i'm at uh, beautiful de soto here we're going to do our final event we're going to do our beautiful finale at the ballroom of the de soto and um i hope i see all of you there all of you that are in savannah and if you're in savannah maybe you should consider coming because it's the hostess city one of the prettiest city in the country and uh, full of music for these two weeks, full of voices and uh, people from all over the country. We have people uh, and the world. We have people from Poland, from China, from Brazil, from uh, Chile, from Argentina, uh, from Puerto Rico um, and uh, all over the country. And I'm sure I'm, some other countries that are missing, but uh, um, so I hope to see you all here. Um, three operas, two musicals um, shows. Uh, one show in Hilton Head, one show in Puller at the Museum of the Mighty Eight. Um, all over the city we are at um, the Savannah Cultural Center. We're at the um, Christchurch uh, First Baptist at um, Asbury Memorial. We are at the Morris Centers. We're at the DeSoto. We are uh, at the Again, at Mighty Museum, we are at the Hilton Head um, Centennial Park. So, a lot of places. Uh, please <coughs> join us sometimes, okay? And I'm going to let our wonderful guests come. And this is Melanie, uh, who has been with us for many, many years. She will join me in a second. Um, by the way, she's uh, there. We go. There you are. Hi. Oh, hi, Melanie. Hola, hola. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Where are you? I am also in Savannah, Georgia. I am at the uh, Christchurch Parish House where we are rehearsing Don Giovanni. So I'm Excellent. here and before our rehearsal. I, mean, uh, I, I think I can almost see your church from here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, like five blocks down the hill. Um, beautiful and um, excellent. Can you put it a little, your face a little down? So put it before yeah. the little heart. Yep. So you're more centered there, yeah, beautiful. There we go. And, um, and excellent, so, so you are rehearsing Giovanni. What are you doing in Giovanni? I am singing the role of Donna Anna, uh -huh. and this is my role debut. So I am very, very excited and so happy to be doing it here. Excellent. And, uh, and you've been with us how many years? I think this is my fourth season with the Savannah Voice Festival. My third in person because I did it virtually when the whole pandemic happened. So, uh, And this is not your first lead role with us, right? Well, yeah, in a sense, I my first role here was Sister Constance in Dialogues of the Carmelites in 2019, which was also a, a big role, but uh, Donna Anna is definitely a big yeah. step up for sure. Yeah, but but Constance is uh, it's uh, it, one of the big roles. In oh, the, absolutely! In yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, I would say almost as 
I think it's essential to the story. I mean, in a way, it's a bit the relationship between Blanche and Constance, uh, and everyone else are moving Blanche around. But uh, I think the, the relationship between Blanche and Constance throughout the piece, because it's so essential at the beginning and so essential at the end. Hey, JC. Hi, hey. JC. Thank you for watching. How you doing? <laughs> and Emma, hi. hi. Okay. Uh, so, who else is here? Well, everyone, just say hello. Hi, everybody. So, okay, a lot of people. Yeah, Yay. excellent. Um, so, um, yeah, I think there, that relationship is really wonderful. And, uh, and we know each other since uh, a long time. How many years? Seven? Well, <laughs> I first met you when I was 13, auditioning oh. for yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but I got to the finals for the Juilliard pre-college. Oh. And I had my final audition in Lorraine Newbar's apartment, and you were playing for me. I okay. mean, you had no idea who I was, but I remembered you later when I saw you. So I was probably singing, like, the 24 Italian songs or something then. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I then we worked together. That. Yep. Yeah. But then we worked together again um, at Manhattan School of Music, where I got both of my degrees. But I was playing French horn in an orchestra you were conducting, right. uh, the undergraduate opera theater. And we did uh, an obscure French opera by Delib, Le Roi Ladie. Um, and they needed a horn player. So <laughs> that's how we right. got to work with yeah, each other. You were, uh, you were a junior then. Um in in undergrad and um i know you you came and said hey i i'm going to be in your class soon and uh were you a sophomore or a junior i want to say i was a freshman actually oh. yeah it was 2016 so i think i was a freshman and i remember at the same time um manhattan school of music was doing Mahler's eighth symphony which calls for tons of extra brass so i think all of the horn players were busy during that time so they needed somebody else to fill in so i had said i play horn i'd love to i'm it's not my major but uh the performance office contacted me so it was a lot of fun to get to play in an opera orchestra and have a different perspective um right yeah <laughs> and and i mean playing in an opera orchestra comes in the family right Yes, it does. Um, my mom, Susan Spector, just finished her 30th season as second oboe in the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. Right. So, yeah, Excellent. opera runs in our family. Um, yeah. yeah and, and your dad, or although he's not a, mus a professional musician, knows more about opera than any of us together. He, he really, mean... really does. I, he's practically an encyclopedia, and I trust him just as much with anything in terms of vocally or uh, in terms of musical knowledge that I do any musician that I work with, so. Is he, is, did he ever study an instrument? He did, he played violin um, up until when he was in high school, but the story goes that he just got tired of listening to himself and stopped, <laughs> so. Um, but he's always appreciated music and loved going to the Met while he was in college. So that love of opera has just continued for many, many years. I see. Great, great. I mean, he, he's, again, he's extremely knowledgeable about it. And, and it's really uh, fantastic to, to talk to him and, and, and see how excited he is uh, about 
about everything. And and again, uh, if you need to find information about casts and performances at the Mets in the last 20 years or even 30 or 40, uh, he can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I see him talking to, to Cheryl and say, yes, I remember that that Sunday when you sang blah, blah, blah with this and this. And oh, that. yeah. He remembers exact dates, exact casts. Exa it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. But uh, Cheryl loves it for sure. <laughs> and then, and then, um, yeah, we did talking about the the horn. Uh, we did the this the lib, uh, which is one of my favorite shows. It's such a charming, charming, charming opera, and it's a great ensemble piece. It has seventeen name characters, all of them with ensembles in it and no chorus. Uh, it's uh, it's great. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, and then and then you we did a show together. Which which opera did we do? We did uh, oh, Britain's yeah, yeah. Albert Herring. Yes, yeah. when I that when when I was a senior and um, I was in your undergraduate opera theater with Donna Vaughn, yeah. and we we had a lot of fun doing that show. I mean, it was definitely. You know that that ended up being my last opera uh my last sing no not my last opera but uh, my last uh opera as a music director of the senior opera theater oh. as a live performance yeah oh oh that's right because the next, the next year, year was covid the, right year we did it um the next two years it was online and the third year i had to ask for a leave of absence because i was traveling too much <laughs> and <laughs> the following year I did a grad production, and um, and now I'm again. I I have too many other jobs, and I cannot be in New York regularly too long. So I cannot be there like every week for many hours. So I still I'm still at Julia, but uh, but I'm not longer at at MSM no. as a director of music undergrad. Well, opera, I'm glad so. I got, got to be a part of it yeah. since it was your last yeah, that one. Was, uh, yeah, that was fantastic. It was, uh, it was one of my favorite shows to be a part of. It, it just... it, I, I remember uh, when we closed the last performance and said, how are we going to top this? Um, and well, actually we didn't. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I mean, I didn't. exactly. We so, <laughs> I, I mean, I say, I say it's undergrad opera anyway. Mm -hmm. Great, and, and where are you from originally? So I grew up in Leonia, New Jersey, which is literally five minutes away from Manhattan across the George Washington Bridge. So. Manhattan was practically my backyard. Um, and yeah, I uh, went to public school and then uh, I also went to Manhattan School of Music pre-college. So that's how I first became associated with MSM. And uh, I studied both voice and horn uh, and also took piano lessons on the side. Uh, and then I went to Manhattan School for both my bachelor's and my master's. And why horn? Well, I always loved the instrument. Um, I, well, what got me into opera was Wagner and the Ring Cycle. Weirdly enough, I saw my first opera, operas were the Ring Cycle when I was six years old. I went to the Met with my teddy bear and that was it. Uh, I loved it. Um, and Wagner wrote so well for brass and especially horn. And I, you know, in when I was 10 years old and the person from the uh, musical instrument department I came and was showing everyone instruments like, oh, you know, I want to play flute. I want to play saxophone. I was the weird kid who said, I want to play French horn because Wagner wrote that, you know. <laughs> um, so 
yeah, I just, I find it has such a noble sound. It's definitely very difficult. Uh, it's uh, in terms of like the range and how close each of the notes are to each other and how you need to adjust your embouchure. And it's not the kind of instrument that you can just put away for a little bit and pick right back up, which is why I haven't been able to keep up with it <laughs> as much as I'd like. Um, but yeah, I, I've always loved the sound of the horn, and I wish I had more time to be able to pursue both voice and horn, but alas. <laughs> All right. I want to say that Nama said that she saw both shows. I'm glad that you did oh, that. And, uh, amazing. Uh, great. And, uh, and say hello to Victoria. Hi, Hi Victoria. Victoria, I'll see you uh, soon. She's moving to Detroit, where oh, I am, oh. so yeah. Awesome. For the for the studio or just well uh her partner uh river guard he's a canadian tenor is joining us next season and victoria is moving with him so i'm looking forward to hanging out victoria <laughs> it's gonna be fun right um <laughs> so going back to to the horror how, how what do you remember about uh, seeing the the ring at, at six i just i I remember just being enthralled by it. I loved the mythology behind it. It, you know, it reminded me of Lord of the Rings or something like that. Do you know um, Ronald the Ring already at six? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it started with, um, I, I remember I was about five years old and um, my dad was downstairs working in his home office and it was during the summer. So he had a live broadcast of Siegfried on from the Bayreuth Festival which happens during the summer mm -hmm. and the uh the forging scene was going on at the end of act one and you know there's i hear this these clanging sounds and metal and really loud brass and i asked him what what is that what's going on and he said well um there's this man siegfried and he's forging a magic sword which he's going to use to slay a dragon in order to get a, a powerful ring and uh, a tarn helm that makes him uh, turn into whatever he wants. And I thought, wow, that sounds cool. Is there a video of that? And so I think that same day we got out the DVD of the Otto Schenk uh, Met production um, of the of the ring, and we watched Act One of Siegfried, and then we went on and watched the rest of Siegfried, and then we watched the entire Ring Cycle on DVD, and I going one act at a time and I just loved it and I found out that the very next season which was 2004 the Met was going to be doing it live and um, my parents <laughs> kind of looked at each other like are we crazy like should we be taking a six-year-old to the Met to see the ring cycle you know but I did I loved it and uh, that's really how I truly got interested in opera that was what did it it's just as already the uh, the Lepage production or was already the still the Otto Schenk? No, it was still the Schenk. Yeah, okay. so I was able to see that, which it was so magical. I mean, the Lepage is too, but um, well, I love the Schenk production. It's impressive, but the, the Otto Schenk is, is a little more realistic and more cinematic. So, so <laughs> and, and also you, you saw it on video, so to see it live is even more special. I think. Exactly, yeah. It was, it was amazing, yeah. <laughs> Great, excellent, good, wonderful. And um, in and about singing, how do you this? How do you start it? Like, how do you discover that you like to sing? So, I mean, I I enjoyed opera from a young age, and then um, of course the question came up. You know, well, 
should I try auditioning for the Met Children's Chorus? Because, you know, there are children on stage in the operas, both non-singing and singing. Um, but I was petrified at that time. I remember saying, like, I don't know opera language. How am I supposed to do that? You know, but I ended up mustering up the courage when I was eight years old uh, to audition for the Met Children's Chorus. And at that time, all I had to do was go in and sing Happy Birthday. And that was it. So <laughs> I went, I sang Happy Birthday. I guess I was okay. And she just said, sit down. Uh, and I was there for seven seasons and got to be in... Uh, I think a dozen operas in five different languages um, and 167 performances wow. on that stage. So it it was an amazing, amazing experience and getting to be on stage with people like uh, Jonas Kaufmann and uh, Renee Papa and Elena Garancha, having them right next to me, it was just the most amazing thing and uh, made me even more want to pursue a career as an opera singer. Um, so after that, uh, the problem with being in the children's chorus is that eventually you uh, mature and are not a child anymore. So eventually I had to retire. Um, and that's when I started taking private voice lessons where I could actually start developing vibrato and not sing like a kid anymore per se. Um, so I began taking lessons at about 13. Um, and then I joined the, the MSM pre-college where I could not only take lessons, but also get a feel for what going to a conservatory would be like. Um, and I ended up loving the experience of just being surrounded by music all the time and getting to soak everything in. So that's why I ended up going to MSM for college and grad school. So, Great. yeah. How was the transition from children singing to non-children singing? It was very interesting. I mean, it was it was definitely a difficult transition because the Met had been, it, it was such an involved extracurricular activity. I mean, we had classes twice a week in order to learn the music and uh, rehearse it. And then uh, between all of the performances and rehearsals, like it really felt like family. And for being at that age, having that you know, not around anymore. It felt like I had a hole in my heart for a bit, but it was quickly filled back up with, you know, taking lessons and pursuing opera. But it, it definitely was interesting, um, you know, finally developing vibrato. It took a while to adjust because for so long, not that we were belting in the children's course, but, you know, we weren't singing with vibrato and with that kind of focus. So it kind of, it took me a little longer than maybe, uh, a student who hadn't done that, had that experience to sort of feel comfortable developing in that way. But eventually it came around. It took took a few years, but that's how the voice is. It takes a while to develop. So what's vibrato? Vibrato is, uh, <laughs> it's that, um, I guess if uh, speaking to non-musicians, it's uh, right. that sort of, um, not. it's not a wobble it's more beautiful than a wobble but it's where the voice is supported meaning um that i've taken a good breath and that i'm using all of my muscles um in order to produce a sound that's healthy and focused and not just ah, you know airy like that but more like ah, and you hear those vibrations and um it's it's uh the sign of a healthy vibrato is if it's not too fast or not too slow. And that's 
what you work on with a voice teacher, um, which took a long time for me, because for a long time, even when I was a freshman at MSM, I had a very fast vibrato, <laughs> which uh, my teacher had called a flutter. It was like, ah! but <laughs> eventually I got rid of that. Um, and, <laughs> but that's why you take voice lessons. It's to right. improve. So <laughs> great. Fascinating. And um, I was going to say, and, and then then um, you have a long time at Manhattan School, which is a large school. And how was your 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 experience at Manhattan or, or in, in a at college in music? Yeah, no, I loved it there. And um, the best part was um, getting to be right in the middle of New York City. I mean, even though I'd grown up there, it was just so nice to be able to take classes, take lessons at, at the school, and then take the subway seven stops down to the Met to see a performance. And being able to go to so many performances and see so many different singers, those were lessons in and of themselves. So being surrounded by that constantly was fantastic. Um, I had a great teacher I worked with there, Mark Oswald, um, through all six years I was there. Um, and he just cared so much uh, for my voice and he cared for all of his students so much. And I also still have so many friends from there who I still am in touch with and have met on gigs outside. You know, you never, it, it's the, the opera world is very small, so we always run into each other. So I, I had a wonderful experience there. Great, wonderful. And, um, and what happened after Masters? So after master's, I, I graduated in 2021, um, and then it, I had a year of uh, just being thrown into the real world, and uh, I was throwing applications uh, at everything and everyone um, for various young artist programs and opportunities, and um, I managed to have a very nice season. Um, I actually was able to make my professional debut last season at Eugene Opera in as the Queen of the Night in the Magic Flute. And uh, Andrew Bizance, who I met here when I was in Dialogues of the Carmelites, uh, brought me there and uh, conducted my debut. So it was really special. Um, so I got to do By that. By the way, and and Andrew is also conducting Non Giovanni. Yes, Andrew, as you all, most of you know, it's uh, is a big um, favorite of the festival and he has been with us for al almost 20 years and um, I mean with, with voice experience and, and with the festival since the beginning and he always conducts uh, our, some of our shows and he, this year he's doing, uh, last year he did the Alice and Anna, our the premiere of the double bill by Michael Ching, and this year he's doing uh, Don Giovanni, which is directed by Cheryl and Maria. Cheryl Mins and Maria Suez, who are the uh, co founders and co president <coughs> of the festival. So it's a, it's a big production for us having Cheryl and Maria direct the show for the first time. Uh, it is really exciting. By the way, it's a production that they did it. Um, first at the Estates Theater and the Estates Theater. Tell us about the Estates Theater. Yeah, so um, the Estates Theater is in Prague, uh, where 
Don Giovanni actually premiered in 1787. So uh, the original production that Cheryl and Maria directed was produced there. Um, so to have them with that perspective, um, and also with Cheryl having performed Don Giovanni countless times and being one of the top Don Giovannis in opera history, it's been a joy to collaborate with them and just be a sponge and soak up all the wisdom possible during the production. By the way, yeah, also Cheryl was the first American to sing Don Giovanni at the State Theater. Really? And, yeah. Wow. And also the State Theater, it, it has a, the particularity that it's uh, is the only theater in the world that um, that is still a stand from Times Mozart in which any of his operas has been performed. So all the other theaters, I'm not talking about palaces, but theaters, um, actually I don't even think palaces, um, of all the theaters that Mozart pre uh, premiere shows, uh, the only one that is left uh, is the State Theater. So it's, it's very special that's, for that. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, so you have your your professional debut singing Queen of the Night. Yes, um, and I had uh, s several other uh, events last year. I did a, an outreach tour with the Metropolitan Opera Guild um, and things like that. And then I um, I got to the finals for the Detroit Opera Resident Artist Program. So I flew out to Detroit uh, in April of. 2022, I guess that was, and got to sing on the stage of the Detroit Opera House, which is absolutely stunning. Um, and then flew back and I heard from Detroit Opera two days later and they asked me, they invited me into their program and I was so excited. I just burst into happy tears. Um, and so I spent last season as a resident artist at Detroit Opera, and I'll be returning for my second season there starting next month in September. And uh, it's a wonderful company with wonderful people. Um, and I've had so many amazing opportunities there. So well, it, I feel very lucky. What well, does it mean to be a resident artist in a major company like that? So a, a resident artist, it's almost like a, an apprenticeship of some kind. I am a paid professional. I have a full-time job. It's a full full year contract. Um, and But at the same time, I'm uh, learning from their music staff and having the opportunity to learn and work with uh, people who come in for the various productions, conductors, directors, singers. So, but at the same time, I'm able to be paid and have, you know, a living and be able to work on my craft. Um, and I also have the opportunity to be part of their productions, either singing supporting roles or covering lead roles. And uh, sometimes we are uh, thrown in, you know, at the last minute, which is exciting. Um, so yeah, we, uh, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun at the same time. And uh, it's wonderful. And uh, our program is led by uh, Nathalie Doucet, who came last season from the conservatory in Amsterdam. And of course, Christine Gerke, a Wagnerian soprano, who is now also the associate artistic director at Detroit Opera. So having those two at the helm has been fantastic. And they're always available, even with how busy they are. Um, to help us and answer any questions we have. I didn't know that Natalie was. Oh, was. it's not Natalie.
Natalie, not not Natalie Dusay, not the coloratura soprano. Her name's Natalie Dusay. Oh, 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 <laughs> but I know she she gets that mistake mistaken all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, she she's a coach from from France or Canada? Uh, French Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, so she and but she worked in Amsterdam for a long time at the conservatory there and also was associated with Dutch National Opera. Um, and she, I believe, met Christine while Christine was working in Amsterdam and they were already she, Christine was already at Detroit Opera and thinking of how they could reinstitute the young artist program. So uh, Natalie seemed like a great fit. And uh, I'm so glad she's there because she's a fantastic coach and has helped me so much. So yeah fun 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 and um what have you done um i think you have a, a jump in situation uh I last did. year right yes um our final opera of last season was uh Aina Bamar by Golehiov. um it's a flamenco opera in spanish um, and it was my first time performing in Spanish. And I was originally covering the role of Nuria, who, well, first of all, Ainada Mar is uh, a story about the great author and poet of Federico Garcia Lorca. Um, and in this opera, he is involved as well as um, the actress Margarita Shirgu, who performed in a lot of his works. And the opera, uh, is sort of told through her flashbacks. Um, and But Nuria, the role I was originally covering, uh, Nuria is a student of hers in her acting school. Um, but on the morning of the first rehearsal, uh, I was planning to just go and sit in my cover chair, but I got a phone call from Detroit Opera asking if I knew any of Margarita Shirgu, uh, what, you know, if I'd picked up any of it while I was learning Nuria. And I said, well, um, give me 15 minutes, let me look through the score, which is very complicated. Um, <laughs> but I, I did, and I said, I think I can do this. Um, Natalie dropped everything she was doing, um, and I came right over to the opera house and ran through the entire role with her before the rehearsal. Um, and uh, there I was uh, a few hours later, sitting in uh, the principal chair with uh, Daniela Mack, mezzo-soprano uh, sitting next to me who was singing Federico um, and I was singing duets with her and I, a few hours ago I had just woken up having no idea that I'd be doing something like that um, and uh, Gabriela Reyes who was, who was originally singing Margarita unfortunately showed up ill and needed time to recover so I actually filled in for uh, another week of rehearsals and then some later on um, so it was a very uh, it taught me a lot. It was a uh, very spontaneous, but it made me realize what I'm capable of. Um, and that if I'm ever in that situation again, uh, I can trust my musicality and, uh, skills and be able to do something like that. But it was, de it definitely taught me a lot. <laughs> Great. Wow. Yeah. It, uh, I thought, I thought you were already covering the role that when you, so you, you knew that, but this no, is I, I had to learn it. Uh, I ended up memorizing it, uh, I think, within about three or four days because I they asked me and they said, well, it looks like she'll need some time to recover. Um, so I just got to work. I went to a coffee shop and plugged in my headphones and listened to uh, there's a gr the 
great recording with the original cast uh, with uh, Don Upshaw as Marguerite de Chirgo, and I just was listening to it over and over and over again, memorizing and uh, yeah, but I was, no, I was not originally covering that role at all. Uh, who, who was singing Nuria? Uh, Nuria was sung by uh, Vanessa Vasquez. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was it was a great cast. It was Gabriela Reyes as Margarita, Vanessa as Nuria, and Daniela Mack yeah. as Federico. Yeah, beautiful. And um, it, yeah, this is a fantastic opera by by Golicho, which is Argentinian, and Daniela is Argentinian also. And um, and Gabriela, where is she from? Um, Ga Gabriela yeah. or uh, she, she? Her family is from Nicaragua. Okay, yeah. okay, great. Mm -hmm. And um, um, so it, it's a beautiful, moving, unusual piece. Yes. So beautiful. So it, beautiful. So really this is. production is coming out of the mid. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I'm so glad it is because I know that it definitely has had quite a performance history since it premiered in, I think, 2003 mm -hmm. at, at Tanglewood. Um, but I hope by it coming to the Met that it spreads even wider and more people get to see just what an amazing oh, yeah. piece it, it is yeah it's magical it's magical and it's uh it's it's large but it's manageable um and it's it's just gorgeous i, I did the the third act the third uh, imagen um last summer at uh, merola um together with the last act of um uh, um Florencia de la Amazonas, oh, which are two of yeah. my favorite Spanish opera. Ah, and the first act of Vida Breve, which is also the, the most famous Spanish opera. So it was a, a fantastic program. But that, um, the magic that Goleshov does in, the, in, in that finale is just incredible. Oh. With, with the, I mean, it's certainly much more modern because it has recording and and it has uh, offstage sounds, and it's just a lot of a wonderful work on recordings, and and the recordings yes. are presets. Uh, so it's a it's a new certainly a new piece, but uh, used in a way that is it doesn't feel new. It just feel very very um, I don't know very organic. It's just beautiful. Great. Yeah, it's I I don't think it's uh, you know I, I wasn't afraid to invite people to see it who hadn't seen a lot of opera. I thought especially it's only eighty minutes long, but it flies by because it's so every moment oh, yeah. is so saturated. But I I wasn't fearful of inviting just anybody no. to come because I I believe that you know anyone could experience it even if they haven't yeah. seen an opera before. It's, it's so so in, in terms of the music, it's so cinematic and it's very, very, very easy listening, but also, uh, or better, easy on the ears, not easy listening, but uh, easy on the ears, uh, but but dramatically so strong. So it's just, it's just quite, quite beautiful. But the part it's, is really hard. Uh, it's very, very difficult. It really is. And I was fearful of, you know, I thought, can I really do this? I mean, Margarita has some low G's, which I am not used to singing. I was coming from Queen of the Night, but actually having sung Margarita and getting through that whole process, I realized that um, my voice might be going in a different direction than High Coloratura Soprano. And it actually was really eye-opening to me and made me realize, hey, maybe I can try some more lyric, more full lyric kind of repertoire. Um, and I think Donna Anna definitely falls in that category. Um, and after having worked on Margarita and 
spending time in that area of my voice, uh, Donna Anna felt much more solid after that. So it was eye-opening in a lot of ways, for sure. How does it what, tell us for, again, for the non-opera crowd, what, what uh, was the fact and was uh, the, the feeling of the navigation from, from one fact to the next one? Yeah, so uh, Fach is a uh, German term uh, used in the German school of singing where uh, it's a general uh, category of voice um, where uh, for each voice of um, repertoire that feels appropriate. So when I said that when I was singing Queen of the Night, I was in a high coloratura Fach, that means I'm comfortable singing repertoire where there are a lot of high notes and a lot of um, fast notes as well. Um, and, uh, you know, because the Queen of the Night goes all the way up to a high F, as people know. Um, and then when I said that Margarita is more in the full lyric Fach, that means that she sings a lot more in the uh, middle register of her voice. Um, and that she doesn't spend as much time singing high, fast notes, but sits more in the middle. And when you talk about a Fach, you often talk about other roles, like a set of roles that kind of fit into that Fach. So whereas for Queen of the Night, a Queen of the Night might also sing uh, Lucia di Lammermoor, who has the big mag mad scene, or Gilda, who sings Caro Nome, which is, you know, very light and, you know, things like that. But while uh, a singer who, uh, sings a role like Margarita might also sing Marguerite in Faust, something a little more settled, um, where her highest note, um, I don't, I want to say it's the C, Beat. I'm not sure, but it's not, not as high. Yeah. 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 Um, it's not as high. It sits in the same sort of area that Margarita does. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Good. Good. And, and, uh, and have you, have you, discover your fach or the or, or navigator's fach and have you transition from and how often do you change fachs? It depends. Um, I mean some people say that the voice changes every seven years. I it's probably different for everyone, but especially for singers who are in their twenties, mid twenties, uh, approaching thirties, um, the voice can change. I mean, because our bodies are our instruments and bodies change and shift and hormones shift and things like that. Um, so oftentimes uh, it, it is possible to uh, realize that, hey, maybe this repertoire isn't fitting as well anymore and I need to make a change. So for me this past year, and thanks to the amazing staff at Detroit Opera, I realized that my voice probably has a little bit more substance than I might have thought initially, and I wasn't using all of my instrument to the best of my ability because, yes, I could sing Queen of the Night, and I still can, I have the notes, but uh, I have more colors to work with in my middle register, and that's why I'm working more on full lyric repertoire now and things that show off that area of my voice as well, rather than just focusing on one box of uh, high flighty <clears throat> coloratura roles, if that makes sense. Sure. And, and uh, what are the projects uh, coming up or interesting or things that you would like to do? Yeah, um, well, I go back to Detroit in September um, and my first assignment there, we were doing a gala 
conducted by our newly appointed music director, Roberto Kalb. Um, and I'll be singing Fior de Ligi in the act one finale of Cosi Fan Tutte. And then I will also be singing as one of the solo singers in a set of miniature operas by John Cage, um, which should be very interesting. Uh, mo very modern composer. Your operas or? Your operas, yeah. Okay. We're doing numbers three and four and uh, they're directed by Yuval Sharon. And then I'll be role studying Bess in Breaking the Waves. Uh, she's the uh, leading character in that, that opera by Missy Mazzoli. And then I'll be singing The Hen and The Innkeeper's Wife in Cunning Little Vixen by Janacek. It'll be my first time singing in Czech, so I'm very excited about that. Who's um, conducting Vixen? Uh, Roberto Kalb, yeah. Oh, and his wife, Mane, is singing The Vixen, which she's such a fantastic soprano. I'm excited to hear her, so. Great. Yeah, I, it should be a fun season. I'm excited. That's, that's a very busy season for sure um, in yeah. terms of performance consider that you are uh you know you're involved with many other things in sure but that's fantastic that's fun to be to be in in so many uh beautiful performances yeah oh, i'm excited and then during the year um we have the opportunity as part of the resident artist program to do a lot of recitals around metro detroit and um, go into the community um, so we get to perform a lot of art song and also have a chance to try out new arias in front of people. So uh, we do get to do a lot of performing, which is really, really great. But also, also you have to already plan for the future. So not wait until you're done with Detroit and, then, and now then how you manage that? Well, um, I do have to, since I'm under contract, I have to get permission from them every time I uh want to take a leave to go take an audition which usually i'll fly back to new york because that's where my family is so i can stay with them um but yeah especially this year since it's my second year and for sure my last in the program um i'll be wanting to fly back pretty frequently to take advantage of any opportunities i can um in order to secure some performances for the following season 2024-25 so we shall see what happens. Um, I'll have my fingers crossed, but. <laughs> Great. Well, with, with such a beautiful history and, and, and all this experience that you gain in such a short time, it's, it's a good indication that things are, are working well and uh, hopefully it will all, it will continue in the path. And so congratulations. Thank and I know you. that you have to go to rehearsal now soon. I do yeah. Uh, we have in a... fact, that's why that's why you are there in the in the rehearsal hall. Let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, so well, thank you so much for joining us, and um, I hope many of you will come and see you. Uh, I'm talking to the audience. Many of you will come and see some the many performances that we have in the next two weeks. Again, we have over 25 performances and events in two weeks. Sorry, on Sunday. Um, uh, August 6th, our first show will be Arias, and you are singing in I it. I am, uh, yes. Yeah. So we have at the at the Christchurch, in fact, uh, where you're rehearsing in the same institution, although not the same building, uh, at Christchurch, which is where we did our first performance ever 
by the way, this season is called Legacy, Lasting Legacy, because the idea is to focus on, on the legacy of opera, especially the legacy of Cheryl Mills and Maria Zubes, um, and both are performers and educators. And, and we are going to fittingly start uh, at, the Christ, at Christ Church, which is where we did our first performance in the Savannah West Festival ever. Um, our first performance in Savannah was there and, uh, and singing arias in where we introduce all our study grant artists and some of our festival artists. And um, so it will be a beautiful parade of amazing talent. Uh, it's this Sunday at 5.30 p.m., August 6th. 2023 if you're seeing this in in the future um and um so thank you very much and by the way when is your show of um don't join me our show is on saturday august 12th i believe it's 6 30 um at the asbury memorial church in savannah yeah. Be there. It's good. <laughs> on the Sunday, all the, the two performances on Sundays are 5.30, at, at 5.30, but all the other performances during the week from Monday to Saturday are at 6.30, and all the other events in the afternoon, like master classes, are at 1 p.m., except for the coffee concert on Saturday, which is a little earlier. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And it's fun to to um go over our memories together it was just like even the ones i didn't remember yeah <laughs> and uh but uh you didn't congrats. want to remember my juilliard audition i didn't sound very good back then but anyway okay, but you were very young 14 you were only coming out of uh the children's choir that's true yeah so very very young so uh and we we typically take people from 15, 16 years old. So I'm sure we told you you're very talented. Just come back next year. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so thank you again. And thank you everyone for, for watching and supporting the, the Savannah West Festival. We're very proud uh, of, of our festival and I hope you see you in our performances. Okay, thank you, Emily, and thank you, everyone. Sorry. Bye. Melanie, and thank you, everyone. <laughs> thank you, okay. bye. bye.